with me today a guy that I think most of you know. I want everyone to get to know him. He is a he is a police officer, uh, but more importantly, he is a riveting commentator. He's an entrepreneur. He's a family guy and uh, and a patriotic American. I want everybody to meet Mike the cop. Mike, welcome to the show. Wow, what an introduction. I, I almost like myself now. It's good. <laughs> well, well, you should. <laughs> so, Mike, you have you have a million fans and followers, a million plus, um, and uh, but you actually started out as uh, a writer, didn't you? Yeah, I started blogging uh, back in 2014. Yeah, and and that led to uh, you know kind of you getting some attention, and then. You started kind of uh, getting your views out there. Um, and then boom, it just seemed like all of a sudden you were everywhere. T talk about those first things that you posted and where it went from there. Well, for me, I started writing about some of the experiences that I had had as a, as a police officer um, that were significant and personal to me and thought, man, I just felt like as I, as I was going through the first few years of being in law enforcement that I had received so much from the law enforcement community. I viewed my writing sort of in two ways. One was it was personally cathartic for me to sort of like talk about some of those experiences, but then um, also to give back and, and in my way and in, in the skills that I could offer back when I wasn't working to the law enforcement community as a whole and try to be, be a voice at least in the conversation out on the internet about law enforcement and our experiences as humans. So that's where it started. And that's what I, I hoped for. Um, and the result was pretty positive, like early on, but that wasn't a, that wasn't a heyday of Facebook and <laughs> when, I could, when you could post and everybody, everybody could see it, you know, like if, if your page had 30,000 people that followed it, 29,000 of them saw your post, you know, like it was just a different time and, and a different process. And so that, that led me to meeting uh, Elizabeth um, who was also writing at the time. And we uh, joined forces into humanizing the badge as a nonprofit and the video thing for me came about as a result of simply just trying to get more eyes on video as a new thing for social media. Um, not YouTube so much per se that that had already been established and that was a video platform, but for Facebook or Instagram or the things video was very, very new. And so we thought, well, maybe that's a way to get more eyes on what we're doing with humanizing the badge. And so that's where the, the video stuff came from is sort of like just a let's see how it goes. Let's talk about humanizing the badge for a minute because you know this is in so now we're talking about the post Ferguson era where because mm -hmm. people think it you know it, it it's bad now but this didn't just start in uh, right. 2020 um, you know in a post Ferguson era post 2014 um, that whole. Uh, atmosphere that we were all living and working in was very, very anti-law enforcement. And you guys came up with this uh, initiative called Humanizing the Badge. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> honestly, we really didn't know what we we're doing. Uh, I'm not so sure we do yet, but we're, 
we're, we're fond of saying at this point, like our, our name is the mission. Like this is, this is what we're trying to do. Uh, primarily for us, that was just a voice on social media, right? Like we're just trying to show people in a place where lots of different opinions are being formulated, especially younger minds. They're being shaped. Young, younger people aren't getting their information from Fox and CNN. They're just not. They're getting it from Twitter. They're getting it from social media sources. They're getting it from their friends. They're get, you know, it's and it's driven by a different way of communicating. And so for us. We, we literally were just trying to say, how can we be a, a positive voice communicating some truth about the fact that the people that wear a badge and do this job are human, <laughs> they're, they're people, not to be objectified on social media. Um, and before people go too far with their criticisms, uh, don't throw the, the baby out with the bathwater. Let's, let's think objectively and let's treat each other with respect as people even where we disagree. And so that's kind of like where that was birthed from. Now we've, we've certainly gone a lot of different directions down that stream and done a lot of different things, but that's, that's the heartbeat of it. Well, and one of the directions you've gone is uh, humor. You, yeah. uh, you know, and you, you've taken, so most people would say, well, police work's not that funny. Um, but uh, you know, those of us in the profession, you know, we do find a lot to laugh about because a lot of times it, you either got to laugh or you got to cry. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, how how was that received when you started introducing some of your funnier videos and funnier commentary? I think, you know, there's always haters, but I overall it was received really well because I think what what I kind of stumbled into by just being myself on the internet because I don't act, I'm not an actor. I just do my own I I I took my real life situations that I was finding myself in and thought, huh, how could I communicate this in a way that people would understand it, you know? And so cops were feeling encouraged uh, at being able to laugh at one of their own who is, I, they can identify with what I was saying or portraying. And then it was also being communicated to non-cops in a way that sort of could disarm them a little bit. They could laugh at me, like you can laugh at me or you can laugh at what I'm doing. I, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. But what you're seeing is that this isn't robotic. This is just this. I can laugh at ourselves. You know, I can laugh at you as an idiot criminal. Like I, I can laugh at it. We just uh, a portrayal that's very human, you know, and hopefully both of those things. I've been trying to hold that intention and I, and I know that I fail regularly at trying to do that, but I try to hold both of those audiences together um, with the content that I put out. How, uh, how did your uh, agency and your command staff first react when you're starting to do these social media videos and, and things like that? Uh, was it, were you well-received? Yeah, I was really fortunate that the, the public safety administrator in the, the jurisdiction I was in and, and really all, all of my superiors and, and the admin and, and to some degree, even city administration, they had already seen me working on humanizing the badge as, an, as a labor of love, I guess, as, a, as it were. I wasn't, I wasn't making money on it. I was just doing it, right? So for they saw that already. So 
when I decided that I would try to do videos and go like the, to add Mike the cop as, as a facet to what I was doing online, that was almost two years. So I, I, my first blog was like April of 2014. I didn't launch Mike the cop until February of 2016. So they had already saw what I was doing. And I think what my intention was with it for almost two years. So for me to then approach them and say, Hey, I've reviewed the policy. You know, I want to go down this video direction. Here's what I'm thinking. They just gave me a lot of rope. Um, and fortunately I didn't hang myself with it, you know, and by the time that I was potentially hanging myself with it, I had come to a point to where I just didn't care anymore. <laughs> so, so, uh, and there, there was some administration change, um, and they, they didn't like it as much. Uh, but at that point I was ready to sort of be making a transition. And I, I did leave that department and went part-time, um, at another one. So I, I, I was ready to move on. They were probably ready for me to move on at that point, but I had a, I really did have a golden window and I'm so grateful, uh, to there's, there's a, there's a couple of individuals, um, that I, I, I won't name publicly, but they, they will know who they are if they ever saw this, that really made this possible, uh, by not shutting it down when they could have. And, and so, yeah, I was just really, really fortunate in that. See, that's outstanding because, um, you know, here's the thing, and you do provide a little bit of political commentary, you know, you're, you're very um, um, confident in your views, and, mm -hmm. uh, and in, in those four short years since you started Mike the Cop, um, expressing your own views has become, uh, is, especially if you're on a certain side, um, has, uh, has become bizarrely vilified, hasn't it? Yeah, well, yes and no. As long as your view that you want to express is a view that is the same exact view as the people who don't want you to say another view, then yes, they they're very open and tolerant. You know, you know, it's like, um, but or the, the examples we we could talk about the examples all day long. But there's there's tons of things that as a cop in uniform with my with my name on it with the city patch on it i could get online and say all day long and they wouldn't care they would they would celebrate it but the minute that what i would say may be something different politically um, or ideologically different than what is acceptable in the mainstream of of media narratives both social and mainstream media then tolerance really takes on a different, a different look. <laughs> so what, what has it been like for you, um, both personally and professionally to, you know, see the profession that you love just horrifically vilified uh, in the last, you know, in the, in about the last year in 2020. How has that been? Yeah, I mean, it sucks. Really, at the end of the day, it, it just sucks. And there's really no great way to, <laughs> it's just, it's terrible. You know, um, I literally, as we were logging on for this this uh, interview, I got a text from, from an academy mate of mine. And he says, are you interested in being a cop again? We just lost three very experienced veteran cops. They threw in the towel, walked into the chief's office and gave their resignation letters. Uh, and, he, and he said, there's going to be way more to follow. Um, I mean, we're talking guys with five, five years left. I'm looking at the text, five years left, 10 years left and seven years left. And they all, they all said enough. 
I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing this. Um, and, you know, even I made that decision in July. I, I, I had gone part time and I was fortunate in that um, the the experience and the exposure that I had as Mike the Cop, I was already entrepreneurially minded. Like I, I had already been a business owner before I became a cop later in life because I started in my early 30s. So I, I, I had already had a decade of living life as a, as a grown man with a family and doing business and stuff like that. So for me, I, I wanted to say, I can't waste this. And I had already begun to try to leverage that for springboarding myself into other opportunities, some, some law enforcement related, some not. But um, for me, I came to, I saw how they treated uh, Garrett Rolfe in, in Atlanta and they strung him up for doing his job. And I, and I, I was doing, I was doing midnights part-time on the weekends because I love policing because I love doing that job. And so I still was making a sacrifice to do it, but me making a sacrifice is one thing, but asking my family to have me throw all of my businesses away, all of my opportunities away for them and their future and my grandkids future, it just wasn't worth it anymore, you know? And it's, and it sucks to see, you know, other people are recognizing it. And, and I think it's cyclical. It'll, it'll, it'll swing back because there will be a little bit of a, uh, of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You want to pitch that cops are bad, cops are untrained, cops are whatever, and you wanna beat that drum when it's not true, eventually it becomes true. And they will get the kind of cops that they are they are proclaiming exist because that's all they'll be able to get. They'll be able to get uh, absolute morons who are willing to do this job for $12 an hour and um, say the right things to the right people at the right times. And they will find a greater level of corruption uh, than they ever have in law enforcement because these people will turn on, on a dime uh, because they're not doing the job um, for the right reasons. They don't have the same core convictions at the heart of it. And uh, the darkest days for policing are yet ahead for sure. In that same vein, uh, how do you think that defunding the police movement is going to play out in, uh, in the months and years ahead? Well, I think it just, I think it's going to be uh, just part of the snow that's on the downhill <laughs> avalanche, the old cartoons of the snowballs getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, till it crushes whatever characters at the bottom. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a piece of the, of, of the contributing problem um, that will come back. It's going to come back to haunt, haunt us. And it's going to take people, it's going to take enough people being negatively impacted by it um, because it's, it's, People are, you know, it's it's tough because people are acting based on information that they believe to be true, um, and they don't see that how political policing has become, how driven. It's not it's not the cops making the decisions. It's not the chiefs of police making the decisions. It's those that they are electing into office that are making these decisions, and the decisions are driven purely by whatever they feel will retain their power and position that is given to them by a vote. Um, and people just don't see that. And, you know, unfortunately, they're going to get what they, they ask for. And it's, it's instead of being driven by the reality that there are evil people out there, there are people out there um, that want to hurt you, that want to hurt your family, that want to break into your home and steal your property. They want to damage it. They want to damage you. They don't care if you're hurt in the process. They will 
They will harm people and property at all costs to get what they want. They are malevolent human beings that, that they are broken. There is a switch that is not turned on right in their minds. Uh, and they are dangerous human beings and evil exists. And this is one of the greatest lies um, that we are fed is that evil doesn't exist and that it's not as bad as what we what we think it is. And you and I both know from being in law enforcement, that's, that, is, that is the greatest shock when you become a cop. You realize the world is a very evil place um, and it is held together by a very few people willing to do very difficult things to keep that evil from impacting most of the people who are not broken, who have the switches turned on the right way. And uh, they're going to find by this defunding the police movement and hamstringing them and having good people go, it's just not worth my family. It's not worth my family life being disrupted anymore. I'm going to go be a realtor. I'm going to go um, sell cars. I'm going to go, uh, you know, work at my buddy's business, (laughs) whatever, because I'm just not doing anymore. And when, when that happens, the cumulative effect of corruption and policing because of uh, deep identity politics and the defunding the police movement is going to be a one-two punch that's going to devastate a lot of communities. Most people don't understand that your average cop sees more mayhem and mayhem and tragedy and just human depravity in the first couple of years on the job than most people are ever even aware of yep. in a lifetime. And yet we we keep doing it because uh, we believe in it, but yep. now that that we are just so continually maligned, I do think I, I believe you're right. There's going to be a, a huge, a huge, huge tra- change yep. in the people that are going to be attracted to the profession, the way that we do this job. Mike, how did we get so politicized? You know, when we both took our oath um, to enforce the law and and uphold the Constitution. One of the things that, that you learn right from the academy is you when you're on the job and you've got that badge on and that patch is not, it's not Betsy's police department on my patch. <laughs> um, we're told, you know, we're apolitical. How did we get so politicized? Uh, I, I, well, it's, it could be, probably be a long answer, <laughs> uh, but I slowly that's that's how it happens you know um i've been told that the boiling frog analogy is actually false that you can't boil a frog one one little piece at a time so i'm not sure the right analogy but a ship i i do know that a ship is moved one degree at a time and uh so it might not seem super noticeable uh, small shifts that's that's how it is um we you know we're i i, I get the sense that even even cops in a, in a lot of ways have underestimated that truth that small changes over time can lead to very different directions that you're you're going and arriving in very different places than you ever anticipated and uh, I, I think in great deal we haven't fought against that very hard even even as cops we haven't we haven't pushed back and so We've traded. We've traded a lot of comfort. You know, here's a raise. Would that make things better? Uh, yeah. You know, three or four bucks more an hour. I'll. We'll, we'll vote and we'll we'll leave it be. We'll we'll accept certain things that the city wants to do. City X, Y, or Z, wherever it is in the country, in exchange for more comfort for ourselves. We've been we've been doing the same thing that the American 
public in general has been doing, which is basically to say, as long as I have an iPhone in one hand and my coffee in the other, and I'm getting it the way I want it, when I want it, the rest doesn't really matter because I feel comfortable. And that's how the politicians that um, should be despised for a, a terrible ideology, for, for a, a horrible uh, lack of character, shouldn't be allowed to be the ones <laughs> making these decisions. They don't, you know, and, but we, as long as we're comfortable, we, we just don't, we don't fight it. We don't resist because by nature we're, we want to, we want to be comfortable and we've lied to ourselves that it, it's, it's not going to come back on us. And, um, and I, I hate to sound so pessimistic um, because I, but I always believe that we're in control of our own attitudes, but at the same time, overall, this country uh, and policing because I think they're so interwoven together, uh, are, are, yeah, it's just until we learn that lesson that we're going to have to be uncomfortable for a while to, to right the ship, um, then I, I don't know. But it, slowly is how it happened over time. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Mike, where can people find you? Where can they become one of your, one of your uh, multi-millions of followers? <laughs> Uh, MikeTheCop.tv. Uh, I mean, if you look up Mike the Cop on social media, you should find me. Uh, you might you might find another cop named Mike. I don't know. Um, look for my face, I guess. There's a lot of accounts out there asking you to give money for, for whatever. There's a lot of fake accounts out there too. So, but MikeTheCop.tv will have all the right links and. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for spending time with us. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, join us at nationalpolice.org. This year, over 50,000 law enforcement officers have been assaulted while on duty. A vast number of these attacks were filmed and uploaded to social media in the pursuit of likes and attention. What they want to do is film you instead of like, what can I do to help this officer? Together, we can change this disturbing trend. If that individual would have hit the right spot, you know, it, it could have been it for me. You know, last time I would have saw my wife, my kids. I'm Mike Solon. Law enforcement officers need your support. If you see an officer under attack, then follow these simple steps in order to help. One, call 911 and give the officer's exact location. Two, ask the officer if you can assist. If the officer accepts, then do whatever you can do to safely help. Three, if the officer declines, then start filming and be a good witness. It's time to stop filming and start helping.